there praying for our uh, country, for our city, for our community. We also had the police department and fire department came out. Uh, the Orland Hills Police and Fire Department came out to be a part of this prayer thing. Is that pretty awesome? Amen. Uh, we all were out there praying for God to move within our city and to meet the need and to bring protection to our uh, servicemen and police and, and enforcement and also for a great year for the school, which we're praying that God will move in our school and it will just be a great and amazing year. Well, we are uh, talking about prayer, and last week I encouraged a lot of you to, if you had a prayer request, to kind of write it on a post-it, put it in one of the bins there, and then I promised to pray for that as well as others. And so we've been praying for those requests that are on the right-hand side there, and we're praying there's going to be answers. So you got to let us know if you get an answer prayer. Can I hear an amen to that? All right, so we want to know. But also, I want you to know, at the end of service today, we still have the uh, brown bin over there with post-its and pens. If you have more prayer requests, put them up on the prayer wall. Uh, we're going to continue to pray and intercede for those things. Uh, I, I just thank the Lord. Yelitsa did not end up having her baby, which is awesome. And she's on bed rest, going to be evaluated again. But she didn't have the baby. Amen? And so we're going to continue to pray that she gives birth to a healthy baby there and that everything will go great with her as well. So I think we're going to start out in prayer, so let's just pray. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you, Lord, that you have been helping us to grow in prayer and what that means. Lord, I know you've been teaching us that there's a connection with finding joy in the journey and prayer. And so, Lord, I ask this morning that you would anoint my words and speak to each and every heart that is here in the sanctuary today, and even those who are online today, Lord, that you would speak to them as well. And Lord, I pray that they would make a connection of finding joy in the journey of life and prayer and find out that it's a key ingredient to have joy is connected with prayer, having a relationship with you, Lord. So Lord, awaken our eyes and ears to hear and to see what you want us to hear and see today. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen. So Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. They all kind of go together. No matter what you're going through, we've been talking this year about finding joy in the journey. We've looked at you can find joy in the journey through love, through family, even through trials and tribulations, that you can find joy in the journey through hope. You can find joy in the journey uh, through uh, all different venues that we've been exploring for this year. We've kind of settled down here on how important it is for us to pray. And just to give you a little summary of some of the things we've talked about with prayer, uh, if we could advance my slide there. Some of the things are questions that we've been exploring are how did Jesus pray, right? Remember we talked about how Jesus prayed. He prayed on the cross. He prayed at the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed at the uh, Lord's Supper, at the Passion Supper. And we looked at those three prayers because if we learn how Jesus prayed and we become like Jesus and pray like Jesus, something's going to happen. Can, do you believe me in that? That something happens when we pray like Jesus and connect with him? And then we talked about how should we pray? And basically, uh, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, not so that we can recite it and memorize it, and that's good if you do that. You can recite it and memorize it, but it is actually an outline for prayer. And so we gave out handouts on about how uh, we are to pray and each one of the aspects of the lines of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it teaches us how we should pray, and you can use it as an outline for your daily prayer life. And so we talked about that. And then thirdly, so we, we were kind of learning how we should pray from what Jesus taught us. And then last week talk, we talked about why pray. 
ask, seek, and knock. We looked at Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. And then, you know, that's another thing. If you want something to be answered and you have a request, you need to ask. And the Bible challenges us to ask over and over. No matter what need it is, we need to ask God, and he promises to respond to us in one way or the other. And then uh, what we also talked a little bit about last week is prayer is a way to honor God and serve God. It's rooted in being obedient to what Jesus instructed us to do, which is daily, going back to the Lord's Prayer, which is we're supposed to pray daily. But it's also we pray because God commands us to pray. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 kind of encourages us to do that. And God intends prayer to be a means of obtaining his solutions in a number of situations. And so with our requests, that's what we're doing with our requests over there, that these areas, these major decisions are things that we find ourselves in. We're asking for God's wisdom and God's insight to meet these needs. You also pray to overcome demonic attacks and barriers. And I was going to, I forgot to throw my picture up, but one of the teachers was walking into school this week. I showed it Tuesday night at our School of Kingdom Ministry. And she took a picture of a spider. And then when the picture, she kind of, you know, looked at it, the spider was kind of looked like it was hanging on to our steeple. You know how I always said, I think we have demons hanging on our steeple sometime, right? And so for those that have seen it, it's kind of a creepy picture. I'll have to show you next week because we're moving into October, right? And so the spider's hanging on this thing, and I'm thinking, wow, now I have proof that we have, we have demonic spirits hanging off our steeple there. But, but it just challenges us and challenges us that there are principalities and powers out there that we do battle with, and you, you may not understand it or even see it in the natural realm, but we're challenged that we need to pray through these attacks and these barriers that we face in our life. Also, prayer is there to gather workers for the spiritual harvest. We need to pray that God would send us workers to bring the harvest in. We also pray to obtain a means of strength uh, whenever we have to deal with something in the spiritual realm or we're looking for wisdom or guidance to be healed or delivered. And we talked about the Syrian woman who had a demon-possessed daughter who asked Jesus to deliver her, and he did. But if she never would ask Jesus to deliver her daughter, would her daughter have been delivered? I don't think so. Or how about the blind man outside Jericho who called on Jesus to heal him? If he had not asked, would he have been healed? So we need to ask. We need to bring our request to God, and we need to ask God to meet and give us wisdom and insight in what to do in these situations. So many ways, many venues that we need to pray, but we need to ask, receive, and believe. And I believe God will give us uh, an answer to our prayer. So today I want to talk a little bit more, and this kind of might seem a little simple, but Hey, maybe the question is when we're talking about how did Jesus pray, how should we pray, why pray. Today I want to talk about where should we pray. And think about it. You know, my next slide kind of has a psalm for us, and I'd like us to read that psalm. It's Psalm 139, uh, verses 7 through 16. And, and basically in this psalm, it really tells us where we should be praying. So let me read it for you. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I take my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night be around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. 
the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And I don't know if you're getting the just of Psalm 139, but the author of the psalm says there is no place you can go outside the presence of God. It doesn't matter if you're in the depths of the sea or you're high up in the air, if you're on a mountaintop or you're in a valley. It doesn't matter if you're scuba diving. It doesn't matter if you're in space. It doesn't matter if you're walking on the moon. What we need to understand is God is always just a prayer away. Can I have you say that? God is just a prayer away. We're never out of his presence, ever, in the nighttime or the daytime. Doesn't matter what continent you're on. Doesn't matter if you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It doesn't matter. We are never more than a prayer away from God. So the answer to my question is, basically, you can pray anywhere. So where should we pray? We can pray anywhere. And that kind of ends my sermon for today, because I guess that's it. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, hallelujah. <laughs> I got more to say, though. You can't pray anywhere. And I think we need to be reminded, yeah, you know, you know, we open up the altar sometime and people come pray at the altar. Maybe you go and you write another prayer request and you can pray there, but you can pray in your car. You know, I don't know about you, but, I, you know, I like to pray in my car. It's kind of quiet. It's kind of a quiet place, right? But we find that there's many different venues or places that we can pray, and we just need to understand God's presence is always with us. There's a few scriptures I like to highlight for you. Second Chronicles 69 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Or how about Proverbs 15, 29? The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. So it doesn't matter where you're at. Or how about Ephesians 6.18? With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Now, I, I just want to highlight one thing there. Yeah, we're supposed to be praying at all times, but this scripture specifically tells us that we not only need to pray for our needs, but we need to constantly, no matter where we're at, whether we're on the train, on the bus, in the car, we should not just be praying for our needs, but we need to be praying for the needs of the saints, of the people here. So, you know, I've been praying for those requests on the wall. I know some of my staff has. I know other people have come out through the week. Some of the teachers came and read it after chapel. They've been kind of reading them. And people have been praying for those requests. But the challenge is, let us pray for one another. Amen. I think this is part of the key that we need to understand with prayer. If you want to find joy in the journey of life, we have to understand that joy is connected to hope. Hope is connected in being able to be patient in affliction, and that all connects together to be faithful. And you do that through prayer and through a connection with God, and you find this inner joy that rises up inside of you no matter what comes your way in life. So I want to look at, so another scripture that we can look at is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, which says this, 
I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. There's this idea that, man, we need to come together and we need to pray, not only in private, but in public. We need to come together, join hands, unite together, and pray for God to do something great. You know, I said it last week, the last great revival in Chicago was 1917. That's a long time ago, isn't it? 1970 was, from what I see when I look at the history of Chicago, of spiritual revival, the last great revival to hit Chicago was 1917. Long time ago. I think we'll do for a revival. Would you say amen to that? And just so you know, you know, God is raising up warriors in this day and hour. And I know there's prayer meetings. You know, last summer we did uh, 100 places, hosted prayer meetings, and we had 100 outreaches from a bunch of churches reaching out, praying for the greater Chicagoland area. There's over 11 million people live within the greater Chicagoland area praying for God to do something. But it has to bring the churches together to pray for this. And so we're being challenged to do that. And I think we need to pray more for God to bring a revival to our entire area. You know, it's interesting. I was in here praying, um, I think it was Wednesday night, and I, we, we, we kind of are doing our grow class. And so part of our grow, grow class this last Wednesday was to take 20 minutes, just you and the Lord, and just go pray. And so I broke my class up. A bunch of different people went all different places. And I went up into the balcony and I, I've never done this before, but I opened the balcony window right behind the sound booth here, and I looked out over the horizon, and I don't know if you can go look at the balcony if you want to see this, but all across the horizon to the right was the entire city of Chicago skyline, all lit up. That's pretty, pretty beautiful. That's why I kind of want to build an addition off the front and have like a prayer room up there with glass so you could look and see the skyline of Chicago and pray for it. So I was up there, had the window open, sitting at a chair, looking at and praying for the city of Chicago, praying that God would do something about all the violence that's going on and all the people that are being killed on the weekends, amen, and during the week. So Tom Kennington, most of you know Tom Kennington with Southside Christian Center. It's a mission we helped start on the south side at about 80th and Kinston. And so Tom called me, uh, it was Friday morning, and he said, hey, Mike, he says, I need you to pray for me tonight at, at 9 o'clock. And, and I go, okay, I'll pray for you at 9 o'clock. He goes, because Fox News is, just came to me, and they're interviewing me tonight on Fox News about all the killings that are going on in Chicago and about what we should do. And so Tom was on Fox News 9 o'clock on Friday night. You may be able to Google and find him, but he was on because one of the sergeants from his area, when Fox was talking to the sergeant, they're like, you know, who could we talk to about the violence? And you know what that sergeant said? You need to go talk to Pastor Tom Kennington because he's done a lot of the funerals for these kids over the last few years. So Tom was on, and we prayed for Tom that what they said on that program would make a difference. And that something would happen as a result of that. And I believe prayer can make that happen, amen? But we need, you know, we can pray anywhere, but we need to pray for our city. We need to pray for Orland Hills, Orland Park, Tinley Park. You know, our ministerial meets once a month, and we're always praying for our three cities and for God to have his way in our cities. So I, I thought I'd take a look here. Um, I want you to know that there's different places that we pray, and we're going to look at some of the biblical heroes of the faith, some of the prayer warriors of the Bible, and different places that they prayed. So if you're going to put that next slide up, we're going to talk about places where Bible heroes prayed. Number one is in private. 
I don't know, there's this scripture in Matthew chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 5 through 8, where Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. When you pray, get into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. So there's this idea that we should pray in private. And, you know, in our society today... You know, our, you know, there's a lot of people in government that says, yeah, you know, uh, it's okay to have, you know, your private prayer time, but don't pray in public, right? How many have kind of heard that? Or don't pray in school, or, you know, you can't pray at the flagpole because somebody may see you and hear you, you know? And the reality is we do need to pray in private, and I think it's when we have our private prayer time and we're really rooted in our prayer time privately that the rest of it kind of flows out of that. So the challenge Jesus is saying here is, hey, spend time in prayer privately. Jesus liked to, by the way, pray alone. It says many times that he was in a habit of doing, he'd get up in the morning and go pray someplace that was isolated. We know that he prayed uh, all night one time, Luke 6, 12, probably more than once. But the idea is Jesus needed a quiet place to pray where it was just him and, and the Father. And they would communicate and talk together in that moment. Because I don't know about you, think about his life, man. He had the people's needs that were being pressed on him every day, people wanting prayer. The Pharisees were arguing with him and, and giving him all kinds of grief every day. The, I'm sure the life was pretty busy doing what he was doing. There was always the noise, the people. There was the demands of others and all these things that Jesus had to deal with on a daily basis. But Jesus knew that if he could get away with the Father, Abba Father, he could hear the Father's voice and he'd be able to handle whatever came his way. That's no different for us. And if you want to be like Jesus, you need to find a place to pray in private. You might be thinking, well, where should I pray? You can, you can pray on the bus. You can pray on the train. You can pray in your car. You can pray in the woods. You can pray in a field. You can pray in a tree stand. I don't know about you. You can pray so many different places. Just get away. Maybe it is a prayer closet. Maybe you literally you got too many kids in your house. You got to go close the door, right? I know some moms complain about they can't even have peace in the bathroom because the kids are all knocking at the bathroom door. Mom, mom, where are you? But find a place where you can connect with God and pray just you and him one-to-one. Secondly, you can pray in public, as I kind of expressed. You know, this world doesn't like people to pray in public, but can I tell you something? Jesus wants us to pray in public. He wants you to uh, lose the uncomfort of praying for people in public. You know, part of what our School of Kingdom Ministry is teaching is that if you're in Walmart and someone has a need, go pray for them. If you're in a restaurant and God, you look at someone across the restaurant and, and they're highlighted to you that you should pray for them, you go pray for them. Because God likes to pray, have us pray publicly to meet people's needs. And if you never get over the fear of praying publicly for somebody, you may miss an opportunity. And so we, we, we do need to pray in public. In John chapter 12, verse 23 to 30, uh, Jesus is talking about that it's, uh, you know, his hour is coming. Um, he he's basically talking about how he's going to die on the cross. He's talking in verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me. 
and where I am, my servant also will be. Then he says, my father will honor the one who serves me. And then he goes on to say, now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. And he's kind of saying a prayer here. And, and he, he answers his own prayer. No, it was for this re very reason I came to this hour. But then he prays another prayer right in the midst. And he's in a crowd of people doing this. Father, glorify your name. So he prays another prayer publicly. He's in a group. And, and he's kind of going through what God's wanting them to do in a public spectrum. And he's sharing and praying all at the same time. And look what he does here. So then he goes after he says, Father, glorify your name. Then it says, a voice came from heaven. Now, in the midst of this public display of Jesus praying and dialogue going on, there is there's this voice comes from heaven. And this is what the voice says. I have, gl I have glorified it and will glorify it again. In other words, answering Jesus' prayer again, this is what you need to do because I will glorify and things are going to happen through you being willing to go and die on the cross. And it says the crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Some thought it thundered. Some, the voice of God spoke, and some said it sounded like thunder. Others said, no, that was an angel speaking to Jesus. Others assumed it was an angel speaking to Jesus. And notice what Jesus says, as he kind of knows what the crowd's kind of whispering and murmuring. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Now, I don't know about you, but something happened in that public spectrum of Jesus praying, and I believe something happens in public when we pray in public, and we do it publicly, and God is glorified. I believe God assures us, he answers our prayer, and he'll even confirm to you if he leads you to pray in public that this is the right thing to do. You know, we as a ministerial will go pray on National Day of Prayer. We'll, we'll go pray at the train station for people getting on the train. We, we, we've done that in the past. We have gone to the different city halls and prayed at the city halls around their flagpole that God would do something. And you know what? That's what's going to make a difference in this country. That's what's going to bring transformation. If we're bold enough to stand up as a Christian and pray publicly when God leads you to do so. The other way that we have learned to uh, kind of this aspect of where we should pray is sometimes it's in specific places led by the Holy Spirit, kind of like I just shared a moment ago. And, and you can look in Scripture and, you know, the followers of Jesus, they, they were commissioned to go pray into the upper room. And Jesus told them to go wait for the Holy Spirit to come on them. And then, you know, they're standing there when Jesus leaves and the angels appear and tell them, hey, guys, you know, uh, Jesus isn't coming back. You need to kind of go do what he told you to do. And so they go off to the upper room and it says that they were in the upper room in Acts chapter 1, verse 10 through 14, and they're praying. And, and, and it said they constantly prayed. They all joined together, verse 14, constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and even his brothers, and they were praying. They were praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to happen for the day of Pentecost to happen. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit shows up. Sometimes we are challenged to go host or hold a prayer meeting. And we need to go to that prayer meeting, support that prayer meeting, and pray. You know, a lot of us ministers have been challenging each other. There's a ministerial group now that's holding prayer meetings once a month for the city of Chicago, for God to fall on Chicago. 
And I don't know about you, but we need to get involved in public prayer meetings if we want to see revival come to Chicago. We're long overdue. Wouldn't you say we're overdue since 1917? We need a revival to come to this city and to this nation. I think it's going to come through prayer. Another example from Scripture is Solomon prayed at the dedication of the temple in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And then in verse 7, it's interesting, if you look at his prayer, it's a pretty lengthy prayer in Chronicles there, but he is praying and he's dedicating the temple that he, the Lord laid on his heart to build. David had the vision, Solomon did it, and he finished the temple and he's ready to basically dedicate it to the Lord, but he prays this long prayer in chapter 6, and I encourage you to read it this week, Second Chronicles chapter 6, and read what he, he prays about in his prayer. But he prays that God would fill the place, God would forgive the people, God would pour out his grace, God would do all these different things. God would show up in this temple. And so he finishes his prayer, and then it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good, his love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. Now, how many would like to see something like that happen? But Solomon just poured out his heart in this prayer at the dedication of this temple and prayed that God would show up. And guess what? God showed up. He showed up like he did in Acts chapter 2, like with the power of the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's fire and glory and clouds and shaking and thunder and rumbling, all this stuff happening. And I don't know about you, but man, I'd love to see something like that happen in our city. Then it's interesting in chapter 7, verse 11, if you skip down to verse 11, it, Solomon's all done. They've had this great day. God shows up at the temple, and later on that night when he's kind of back in the palace and kind of taken in the day, you know, like, man, this is such a great day. God showed up. You know, sacrifices were offered. His presence was there. It was strong. People were praying. The entire nation was on their knees praying, and God supernaturally moved, and then the Lord speaks to Solomon about his prayer. Isn't that interesting? So Solomon prayed this lengthy prayer, and then God showed up, did his thing, but then that night, privately, Solomon and God have a meeting, and God talks to Solomon about all the things that he asked for in his prayer. And he warns him too, by the way. So when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had the mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night, that night, and said, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes 
and my heart will always be there. And that was one of his prayers. But he also warns him and says, you know, when the people of Israel fall away, because that was one of the prayers that Solomon prayed is, Lord, if we fall away, will you forgive us? And the Lord says, yes, I will forgive them if they do this. If my people, when they sin, find themselves in sin, find that their land is plagued with sin, find that their government is corrupt and falling apart, if they will call on my name and they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, by the way, here's the key, you not only have to humble yourself, you not only have to pray, you not only have to seek God's face, you have to turn from your wicked way. Did you hear that? You want your prayers answered? Sometimes you have to get away and get out of your sin. You got to get out of your sin. In our country, it's like, hey, everybody can live in their sin and God's still okay with it. Can I tell you something? No, he's not. God's a holy God and he says, be holy like I am holy. We can't practice sin. We got to let it go. And he goes, if you do this, I will forgive your sin and I will heal your land. That's a promise, amen? And then he goes on to talk to Solomon personally. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but he goes on to say to Solomon, if you stay faithful to me and if you don't start offering up idols to other gods and get into idol sacrifice and idol worship, you will hold the throne forever and your family will. Anybody know what happened to Solomon? He married a thousand wives. He got into building all kinds of different idols across the nation many, many years later. And when that happened, God ripped the throne away from Solomon and David's lineage because he had disobeyed God. See, I don't know about you, but this praying in public thing could be kind of awesome. And then you get the benefit that then God will talk to you in private. You can also read in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, they went house to house. They prayed. They devoted themselves to teaching breaking of bread, which is communion. They tied communion together with prayer. So whenever they'd have communion at someone's house, they'd also pray when they did communion. All this comes together, and, you know, we can pray anywhere. There's another great story in Acts chapter 12, verse 5 through 12, where Peter was in prison. He was impacted by the prayers of the saints in the house church. These people were praying in a house church for Peter to be released. Angel shows up. Uh, oh, basically drops the, the chains that are on Peter. He walks out of the prison. The doors open up for him as he walks out. You can read the whole story there. And then he goes to the place that's praying for him to be released, and he knocks on the door. Girl answers the door, she said, and he says, hey, it's Peter. And she closes the door in his face and runs to tell everybody who's praying, hey, Peter's outside at the door. And they all look at her and said, honey, we know you have faith, but Peter's in prison. He's like, no, he's at the door. And they're like, no, Peter's in prison. We know you're getting excited because we're praying for Peter to be released. And then, long story short, they finally go back. They discover Peter has been released. God does answer prayer, amen? It's kind of a story I heard, true story. Many years ago, happened back in the 1960s. And there was a church that was praying because there was this rowdy bar that was next to the church. And so they held an all-night prayer meeting that God would destroy the bar that was next to him because it was leading all kinds of people and hurting people and alcoholism and fights and all kinds of stuff. And long story short, the next day a storm came through, lightning came down, it hit the bar and it burned to the ground. The owner was so mad that he took the church to court because he heard they had an all-night prayer meeting that was praying for the destruction of his business, so he was going to sue them for the damages from their prayers. And the judge is hearing the case, 
And he, he looks at the prosecuting attorney for the bar who's saying, their God, who, by the way, and he said he didn't believe in God. He said, their God destroyed my building, and they were praying. And then the defense attorney for the church said, it was not our fault. We don't believe God did that. Because they didn't want to be sued for the damages. So the judge looked at both of them and said, I find this a rather perplexing case. On one hand, the Christians who believe in prayer have an all-night prayer meeting, and God destroys the building they pray would be destroyed. They don't do it, but their God does it. And they don't believe God did it, even though that's what they prayed for. And on this side, this guy doesn't believe in God, and he's blaming God for destroying his building. He says, this is kind of not right, you know. Something's not right here. But, you know, God will do stuff like Peter getting released, people getting set free. And, you know, we, we can do that anywhere. We can pray in our home and pray for others who aren't there. Paul and Silas were in prison and they prayed and God showed up and the jailer got saved and all kinds of cool things happened there. But I, I kind of want to wrap this up. I only have a minute left. But did you know you can also pray in times of peace and in times of war? And all the way, I've been reading a great book. I'm, I'm always recommending books, Mike Bickle, Growing in Prayer. The History of Prayer in America, One Nation Under God. This book is filled with true stories of people in America who prayed. And it, it goes people from uh, a general World War II who prayed to God will be merciful, give him wisdom and guidance in battle. His name, by the way, was Brigadier General Laverne F. Saunders, and he lists all these things, all the answers to his prayer in battles that he won that he attributes to God giving him the victory. And he writes all these out. Uh, in the story, the beginning of World War II, at the tragedy of Pearl Harbor, anybody know what happened the next few days after they decided to get into the war? They decided that before they would get into the war, Roosevelt called for the nation to pray, and it was a national day of prayer. Him and Churchill sat together in Washington at this Episcopalian church where George Washington prayed and went to church, and they prayed for God's wisdom in winning the war against Nazi Germany, and it was a day of prayer. Many people forget that in history. But that's what they did. And during World War II and throughout the war, both the U.S. government and the English, the country and the country's churches promoted prayer among the men and women overseas and on the front. Over 8,000 chaplains distributed prayer books, Bibles, prayer checks of all kinds. Federal employees at the U.S. government printing office worked around the clock to produce religious publications that would go out to the soldiers. That's how much they believed in prayer. Jimmy Doolittle, anybody know him? They ran a raid on Japan. He was a man of prayer. As a matter of fact, a bona fide war hero who led the cipher of air raids on Tokyo, you know, he really believes God was with him for what they did to get them to be successful because it was a long shot to even get a bomb to drop on Tokyo. And he really felt the Lord led him there. And then all of his bomber guys had to ditch, and he got out scot-free, and he was able to come back. He attributes all that to God. He said this. He says, I have learned that uh, uh, there is a vital personal force in my life, and his name is God. And he said, and I need to tap his power every single day for every single mission, for every single thing I do. I could always talk about God, but he said, I'd rather believe in God and believe that he's going to do something and then step out in faith and do it. He's a man of prayer. And then one last story here as we wrap up. What about the prayers prayed by the soldiers who didn't live through the war? In this book, they discovered a few dying soldiers' prayers that they found in soldiers' pockets. And this one is an actual prayer of a, of a soldier who was killed in a North African campaign. The 
prayer that he prayed, he had written on a piece of paper and put in his pocket, and about a day later he was killed. Would you like to hear what his last prayer was? Look, God, I have never spoken to you, and now I want to say, how do you do? And see, God, they told me you did not exist, and I, like a fool, believed all this. Last night from a shell hole I saw your sky. I figured that they told me a lie. Had I taken time before to see things you had made, I'd sure have known they weren't calling a spade a spade. I wonder, God, if you would shake my poor hand. Somehow I feel you would understand. Strange I had to come to this hellish place before I had time to see your face. Well, I guess there isn't much more to say, but I'm glad, God, that I met you today. The zero hour will soon be here, but I'm not afraid to know that you're near. The signal has come. I shall soon have to go. I like you lots. This I want you to know. I am sure this will be a horrible fight. Who knows? I may come to your house tonight. Though I wasn't friendly to you before, I wonder, God, if you'd wait at your door. Look, I'm shedding tears, me shedding tears. Oh, I'd wish I'd known you these long, long years. Well, I have to go now, dear God. Goodbye. But now that I have met you, I'm not scared to die. That's a pretty amazing prayer from a soldier who came to his death a day later. I'm going to have Beth come up, but I want to challenge you. Where should we pray? Real simple answer, anywhere. It doesn't matter where you're at in any situation. It's a good time to pray. Remember, God is only a prayer away. And I think that deserves a round of applause. Amen. God is only a prayer away. So take the time, find time to pray. I think it's the hour has come. Be joyful and hope, patient in affliction, but let's be faithful in prayer. And seriously, let's pray for revival to come to our greater Chicagoland area. Intercede for that. And then if you get a chance, come on up. If you have prayer requests, put them up on the request wall over there. And we will continue to pray for those requests. Also pray for the city of Chicago, pray for revival. And then afterwards, I will have some prayer team members down front that will be happy to pray for any personal needs you have as well. But um, as we do that, I'm going to have Beth lead us in a closing song. And then after the song, you're dismissed to go. And let's just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart about maybe a request. Or maybe you're going to go read the request board and you start praying for some of those requests over there as well. I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the power of prayer and that, Lord, how to pray. You've been teaching us that. Why to pray. You've been teaching us that. But, Lord, let us know that we can pray anywhere. It doesn't matter where we're at. It doesn't matter if we're on a battlefield. It doesn't matter if we're in the city of Chicago, if we're on a bus or whatever. We know that your presence is there. So speak to our hearts this week as we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.